Sabic is one of the world's largest chemical manufacturing companies with more than 31,000 employees in 50 different countries across the Middle East and Africa, the Americas, Asia, and Europe. It is a leading producer of petrochemicals, chemicals, industrial polymers, and fertilizers. Based in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, Sabic is one of the largest publicly owned companies in the country with a decidedly global outlook and approach. Its robust ethics and compliance program have earned Sabic its rightful status as a peer leader among other companies in the Middle East. Its focus on diversity, culture, and anti-corruption are just some of the program maturity hallmarks that have earned the company its compliance leader verification status from Ethisphere. With us today is Bo Van Zeeland, GM and Global Chief Counsel, Business Ethics and Compliance for Sabic. Based in the Netherlands, Bo leads his team as they elevate and advance Sabic's culture of integrity, its code of ethics, and its human rights program. And in so doing, he has helped to move the needle in a meaningful way across Sabic's rapidly growing global organization. Bo, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Bill. Good day. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. So one of the best things about this program, the thing that I like to do the most, is showcasing uh, companies that are just doing wonderful things in ethics and compliance, and, and we, we call it highlighting excellence in action. So with that in mind, what are some of the biggest ethics and compliance advancements at SABIC that you are especially proud of? Well, it's, that's a great question, Bill. I mean, we're, we obviously have invested a lot in, in, in a robust, uh, com comprehensive compliance program and our integrity culture. Um, but what I'm most proud of is some of what you've already uh, spoke about in your introdu introduction, which is the fact that Sabic is a very culturally diverse company. Uh, as, you, as you've mentioned, we're active in more than 50 countries globally. And um, as a uh, Middle East-based headquartered company, we, we are really proud of being a regional leader in really advancing the needle on compliance programs, awareness, so um, for, for, for instance, we have been working with a Pearl Initiative NGO to uh, uh, set up sessions for students, SMEs, uh, about breaking gender bias in the workplace, fighting corruption, empowering women. We are really investing in our supply chain to uh, detect where there are gaps in the performance of suppliers and other uh, third parties. And then we're helping these parties to uh, with trainings that we pay for. Um, so there's a lot that we do in that respect. Um, we also uh, are an active supporter of the uh, B20 uh, Integrity and Compliance Task Force. So we're also supporting the B20 in Brazil when Brazil is hosting uh, the 2024 uh, G20 and B20 presidency. So, um, and, and with that, we're also sharing a lot of best practices, initiatives with companies in, in the Middle East. So being transparent and open and, and trying to move the needle collectively uh, in, in the best way forward. So that is what I'm actually most proud of. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's what we work on internally, but then also how we are able to raise the bar uh, collectively in a regional fashion. Now, I understand that you recently had a code of ethics launch. Can you talk about that? Yes, yes. I'm also very proud about that because it's such a binding document, right? It's, it's the moral compass. It's the guidance that we have for, for employees. So I'm really happy that, you know, uh, we looked at our code and we said, okay, it's been, it's been a few years that we've last looked at it, that we revisited it in terms of, of new regulations, but also societal uh, perspectives have changed. Um, so we looked at it and we, we, we made an update. 
um, with all the stakeholders, it's a lengthy process, more nimble, agile, shorter. Um, you know, people are, have reduced uh, attention span. So you need to make sure that your reader complexity is brought down, that people understand what the key rules are, but also the values, more aspirational. So we looked at all those factors. We've done, done many external benchmarks and even actually the Atmosphere team also helped us out a lot with, with the review. Then we also now have a, a new in, internet uh, portal, uh, intranet, I should say. It's more engaging, fun, interactive. Uh, a lot of additional information that people can can go to and, 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 and just tap from. So I think overall really happy with this launch. It's, it's about to, to be brought to the employees in the next uh, weeks or so, a uh, week, I think even. So we're very close to a uh, launch. Well, that's terrific to hear. And I would encourage everybody taking a look at this episode uh, to go to savic.com and to take a look at, at the new code of ethics. I'm sure it's gonna be a dynamite document. What are some of the most noteworthy challenges and opportunities that characterize SABIC's efforts to promote speak up culture? Yeah, I mean, we, we invest heavily in, a, uh, in, in an open, uh, uh, inclusive uh, speak up culture, a healthy speak up culture. Uh, so we have uh, obviously our uh, many uh, or several uh, speak up channels. We have whistleblower policies, procedures. Um, we also have a network of more than 150 integrity ambassadors, um, and there's always room to improve, right? Because, you know, like many other companies, we have hotspots, that's great, but we also have some cold spots where reporting is too low and we want to improve. So we want to go out there, um, have dialogues, identify root cause, and then do something with that information to improve the speak up, because in the end, uh, all of our employees are the eyes and ears of our program, and we need all of them to uh, to improve. I often say that speak up culture is not just benefiting integrity and compliance. It's also really benefiting an innovation culture. Because if people can speak up freely and they don't have to fear uh, retaliation, uh, failures, mistakes, at least not unreasonably, yeah, they're in this room zone of psychological safety, that will make the company ultimately better to learn from their mistakes, improve, be a better innovator and better comp uh, competitor in the market altogether. So I think that is really important in the narrative of the business case internally, that these are communicating vessels, that they reinforce one another or they dampen one another. It's, it's vice versa. Mm -hmm. If you talk about challenges uh, and, and opportunities, well, one of the things that we've always done is we regularly pulse uh, the perceptions of employees about our program. And as yeah. part of that, also the willingness of people to, to report. And if they're not willing to report, why not? Um, so we have a survey. We do that once every few years. And as of this year, we're trying to integrate that into a survey that our HR department is conducting. And that will just help us to have integrated data it, it takes away some of the resources that we need to have to run the reports out of that with a third party for anonymity and all of that. But it takes, uh, you know, it takes away a lot of the resources that we need to take. And it, it is really helping us to correlate data and uh, do this on an annual basis. So uh, getting more data is, of course, very helpful for us to advance. Part of that, we also ask, uh, by the way, managers to have regular talks about compliance and integrity. 
And um, then we ask their teams if they've done that. Uh, in an industry such as ours, where there's a lot of uh, performance measurement by metrics, KPIs, it's very important that we have managers and not the compliance team to talk about the fact that we don't accept cutting corners on compliance. It's not meeting metrics above and beyond compliance and integrity, but the other way around. We want to make sure that people are reporting and that we're not misclassifying incidents, even when it comes to safety in similar ways, um, but that people bring forward what needs to be brought forward for us to identify, mitigate uh, risks. Maybe one challenge that I think a lot of companies are facing, Sabic uh, included, is the fact that there's always this balance to strike, right? Between fairly disciplining uh, uh, the misconduct when you find it, but not over-disciplining such that um, basically people are becoming fearful to report. And you know, there's a downside of reporting. Some mistakes should be acceptable in ways. And you should strike that balance right such that people come forward and you don't actually silence the organization in that sense. How does Sabic's global nature impact its efforts to build a single speak-up culture across an organization that is comprised of so many different world cultures? Yeah, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, yeah, as we are culturally diverse, right, we spoke about the fact that we are active in more than 50 countries. You have to recognize that there are different pockets of cultures in your organization and that the intrinsic motivation, but also what people have been taught when they were growing up, um, how they have been living their lives in and outside of work is so much different from other sides of the organization that you tap into that and you find ways that still enable a speak up culture also in those pockets. There are some varieties then in the way you approach it, but I think in terms of what you what you drive as a process, procedure, but also fairness, that should be consistent across regions, across, across countries. So we try to make people aware of the diversity that we have. We try to embrace it and we try to, not just for compliance, but also with HR, but also with uh, initiatives that we roll out, such as you matter, which is a uh, well-being program for employees, so to say. Really, people are aware of the difference, differences of, of cultures and diversity, and that makes us strong. But then that we also then are aware of the commonalities and, and the, 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 the same drivers and goals that we uh, all uh, yeah, strive for. Everybody is fighting for program resources these days. Uh, I'm sure that's no different at SAVIC. So, I'd be curious to know, what are some of the ways that you build the business case for the resources that your program needs? Yeah, yeah, great question again. Yeah, um, also in our industry, yeah, we're, we're uh, under a economic recession. So SAPIC is also now, uh, my department, particularly under headcount restrictions, recruitment restrictions. From that uh, side, we, we also have to think about, okay, how do we smartly uh, engage the, the, the people and the team that we have? Um, I think ultimately, if you identify significant regulatory risks, for instance, compliance issues, you need to have the means, the resources, the team uh, to uh, identify and tackle those uh, and, and, and deploy mitigation strategies. 
So you always will need to be, and that's also my responsibility, even to a board audit committee, you need to make sure that you're aware of those processes. You're part of those processes where the company strategy is set for the next so many years, operational transactions that you have your people out there to identify risk. And then if there are significant risks that you build your business case to tackle those and find allies in the company, uh, in the several stakeholders that you work with to bring your business case forward that this may require additional resources, even if not with yourself, then with other people that are, you know, reinforcing uh, stakeholders. So with that, I think it's very important not to just, you know, take a no if there is like, restraint on resources but you have to find ways that you're making sure you're staying on the right side of the line making your case finding allies bring it and use 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 your your best way forward and then if if there are other alternatives uh, initiatives that you want to uh, strive for then obviously you need to be very smart and creative in solutions i mean the example that i've mentioned was the survey where we, okay, can we do this better, more efficient? We integrate and other companies are maybe looking into uh, uh, artificial intelligence solutions. So that will take some investment upfront, but automation, artificial intelligence, those are ways where you can, where a lot of us in, in, in the compliance domain can still you know, find efficiencies, I'm sure. Well, Bo, it's awesome to hear about the program details going on at SABIC. Thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing uh, with us your insights. Yeah, you're welcome. It's great talking to you, Bill. Thank you very much for the opportunity. To learn more about the great work that Bo and his colleagues are doing at SABIC, visit SABIC.com. That's S-A-B-I-C.com and mouse over the About tab. There you'll find links to SABIC's compliance culture, its code of ethics, and its human rights program, as well as many other great resources. To learn more about Ethisphere's Compliance Leader Verification Program, please visit ethisphere.com solutions. And while you're there, be sure to download a free copy of our ebook, The Eight Pillars of an Ethical Culture, from the Ethisphere Resource Center at ethisphere.com resources. I'm Bill Coffin, and this has been The Ethicast. For more episodes, please visit the Ethisphere YouTube channel at youtube.com ethisphere. And if this is your first time enjoying the show, please make sure to like and subscribe either on YouTube or on our podcasting platforms at Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon Music. Thanks so much for joining us. And until next time, remember, strong ethics is good business.